production. Effectively wild. Ben isn't here and we're lacking production. So this is me singing you the introduction. Good morning and welcome to episode 526 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from BaseballPerspectives.com, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh of Grantland. Ben, how are you? Okay. Did you use the Play Index all this weekend? No, I was away and uh, didn't really have reliable internet, which is one reason why I let the multiple of five fans down. I was also away and had... uh, I did not only not have reliable internet. I did not have any internet. I had no internet whatsoever. Uh, however, however, today was a very busy day of play indexing. Lots mm-hmm. and lots of play index. Tons of play index. Mm-hmm. Had to had to get back to the to the play index grind. Mm-hmm. Did it in a big way. Back to the podcast grind. Mm-hmm. Five twenty six on a Tuesday. Ugh. It's gonna be it's gonna be ages till we get back on multiples of five. You know, I saw that you emailed me somewhere along the weekend and said uh, that you assumed if it was going to be a multiple of five that you'd have to find somebody to fill in. And uh, I didn't see that email until uh, until today. However, if if you had gone ahead and found somebody to record on Labor Day just to keep the fives, I would have right then and there declared three days a week from now on. <laughs> That's I would have been so upset. So we dodged a bullet, really. Yes. Uh, I like the multiples of five, but I don't like you. I like you. I like I like old Ben who didn't care about the podcast. Like I liked the old Ben who was who yeah, was just really as disinterested. You it did. You were you were terrified of failure. Well, sure. To, to be sure, you wanted to. As I think I I always wanted to say good things when we were on the air. I mean, I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want to. Uh, say things that I would regret or or that felt stupid or anything like that. I tried to bring the A game when we hit record, mm. uh, but I also never, uh, you know, put a lot of value in things like Hitting the record. quality of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, and and I feel like you were the same way. And and now more and more, you're mm. you're uh, well, more and more probably since about episode eighty, but still more and more, <laughs> you 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 seem to. You seem to care a great deal about things like the multiple of five. Yeah, sorry. Well, I let it go this time. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's. I think it's good. You know, when my mom once my mom uh, was she was cooking for this retreat. There were like seventy people, and she was doing all the food. She she would do this every summer for um, for a long time, and and uh, she was. You know, this is a very stressful thing, and so she was. You know, stressed out by all the things she had to do, and. So some guy at the retreat decided, a friend, a family friend, decided that he was going to do her a favor. And he he put her in a boat and he rowed her out into the middle of a lake where she couldn't do anything. And he thought he was doing this great favor because she was going to decompress. And, um, and, it, and it just backfired horribly. This was the most stressful thing that he could have possibly done to her. And I feel like I, me taking away your internet access for a, a three-day weekend to, to get off the multiple of five might have been the equivalent of rowing you out into the middle of a lake. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad to, I'm just glad to see that you seem to be in good spirits anyway. Yeah. Okay. So we'll continue. All right. Uh, so Ben, 
Uh, do mm-hmm. you have anything to banter about, or can I just go on? Did you see that Dodger shift on Friday? No. Uh, all right, let me send you the link. Maybe you didn't see it and you don't know what I'm referring to, but there was a there was the closest thing that we've seen to the wall that was discussed on an early episode of Effectively Wild. Uh-huh. Um, so they it was the twelfth inning. The bases were loaded. Seth Smith was up, and and they brought in Andre Ethier, and they lined up four four fielders between first and second base, just in a line, not the usual shift where one guy's in short right field or something. They are all in, in the baseline, essentially. Mm. And it looks, it's, it's close to the wall. It was discussed on an early, early listener email show where someone asked us why, why baseball defenders don't just do the wall that they do in free kicks in soccer. And in fact, the link that I just sent you to this play describes it as like the free kick in soccer. So this is, this is the closest we've come. Is this, uh, is this one of the shifts that you wrote about as a as a possibility for the future of the shift? No, not that I recall. This is, I mean, this is a this is an extra innings five man infield. There's mm-hmm. that's a situational shift. Yes, right. Uh, no, I don't remember that. I, I think I generally remember being interested in the five man infield as a as a more common practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in fact, Tim Marchman. Uh, has uh, suggested a six-man infield, hmm. uh, which uh, I hadn't even considered, believe it or not. <laughs> it makes makes perfect sense when you think about it. I don't know why nobody's mentioned a seven-man infield. <laughs> no. Now that I think about it, mm-hmm. uh, seven's better than six. Sure. Um, so I, I was interested in whether a five-man infield would work. I, I don't I don't suggest that it would work. I'm, I suggest that it'd be fun to experiment for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, this is uh, this is just a uh, classic sort of uh, you know this is a classic move. You have to do this right in the twelfth. Yeah, it's a strange sight. It looks different than what I've seen before. Is it the same? I don't know. I mean, t- uh, it's it's not, but it's not because it it combines the the twelfth inning strategy of bringing in a fifth infielder uh, when you know. It, you're, you need to protect against a grounder getting through more than you need to cover a lot of range in the outfield, right? There's not a lot of use to covering a lot of range in the outfield. Uh, and you want to have a lot of infielders to stop any ground ball and to maybe set up a double play and so on. It just combines that with a guy who you would shift against. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wall itself, I don't think it's intended to look like a wall. It's <laughs> no. just that they, they had four guys and they thought, well, where's he most likely to hit it? Mm-hmm. If it hadn't been Seth Smith, I don't think they would have aimed for the wall aesthetic. Nope, probably not. So I don't know. I I don't. I, I think this is uh, scarcely worth our conversation. <laughs> okay, let's move on. All right. So um, I've been thinking about the Angels a little bit, um, who uh, are of course doing amazingly. I've been thinking a few different things about the Angels. One of the things is that. Uh, and we're not going to go into this, but uh, a, a year ago, Jerry Depoto was like seemed almost certain to get fired, or if nothing else, his chair was extremely wobbly, mm-hmm. and and Jack Zrensic also seemed very likely to get fired, and Alex Anthopoulos also seemed quite likely to maybe get fired soon, <laughs> and um, and now Jerry Depoto will probably be executive of the year. 
uh, Jack Z has a has a has an extension, and Alexanthopoulos is uh, has gone up and then gone down a little bit. But uh, it just goes to show how hard it is to assess GMs and uh, why I don't even know why we try. But um, but anyway, that's not what I want to talk about. The Angels are really good, and one of the things. Oh, the reason I was thinking about the photo is because it seems to me that the Angels' success, uh, generally speaking, is extremely predictable. That that if you look at their team, you don't see a bunch of guys who are uh, who are dramatically outperforming our expectations. Uh, you see, a, you see some of that in the rotation with with Richards and and Shoemaker. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, this is a team that, to me, is a giant collection of non surprises. This is a this is like the uh, the incredibly predictable thing happening, which is that the Angels, which had a great team, uh, are playing great. And uh, so, just just not uh, just to, to 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 kick this off, I wanted to play a quick little game with you. And this game is going to be pick the angel surprises. Um, so you're, we're each going to uh, to look at their their baseball reference page. We're only going to look at offensive players for reasons you'll see in a bit. Um, and you are going to pick the biggest surprise, positive or or negative. It doesn't matter. Uh, and then I'll pick the biggest, and then you'll pick the next, and then I'll pick the next. So we'll do three. We'll we'll each pick three. And this can be this is a, this is absolute surprise. Ability. So, it, like I said, it can be positive or negative. Um, and so, to put this in perspective, like Stephen Pierce, we would say would maybe be like a ten on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dustin Ackley, who I tweeted today, has the exact true average that Pakoda projected for him. He would be a, z- a one. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, I would like you to pick your biggest surprise and then give me a, on a one to ten how surprising that performance is. <laughs> Uh, this is hard <laughs> looking at these guys, um, for reasons that you've already hinted at. I, I guess, let's see, most surprising, maybe, maybe, maybe the fact that Ionetta is the second best hitter on the team. And how, and, su- how surprising is that to you? Uh, I mean... He's he's always a pretty good hitter. I, I kind of liked Dianetta for a while, but he's never had a season like this. So I guess it's a seven. Yeah, that's a good. I, that would have been my pick as well, and I think seven is just about right. Uh, so I will uh, I will pick um, Cole Calhoun, mm. who has been uh, Cole Calhoun is, is just I I don't know. I mean, he never got any real attention when he was hitting extremely well in um, high A. He wasn't a high draft pick. He was playing in a hitter's park, and everybody kind of uh, wrote it off as as not much. He was a little old for his level, and he has just never stopped. He's just done that exact thing the entire way up, and it turns out that he is a, um, at least for his peak years, so- something like just a little bit worse than an all-star player. And I, I didn't see that coming. P- Pakoda, I think, liked him somewhat, I think. I- I'll double-check in a minute. Uh, but uh, I didn't particularly think this was coming, so I will say that Cole Calhoun is like a like a five. Mm-hmm. Okay, and maybe I'll take uh, maybe I'll take Pujols next. Not not even the rate stats so much as the counting stats as the uh-huh. as the 134 games played and 593 plate appearances or or. Pre or prior to Sunday, um, I, I guess expecting him to have what looks like it's going to be a, a full season, 
probably is somewhat surprising. Not that he's hit fairly well. I don't think that the offensive performance is surprising at all. If you had told me that he was going to stay healthy all year, then I would have guessed that he'd have a, he'd have a decent offensive season, and he has. But the fact that he stayed stayed healthy and stayed in the lineup to the extent that he has, uh, I'll give it a give it a four. Um, it's interesting because he is one of the biggest surprises on the club, but in a negative way by Pakoda's reckoning. Right. Uh, well, Pakoda still thought he was about the best hitter in baseball. One of them, yeah. yeah. Uh, thought he was, I think, one of the ten or something best. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I will say Hank Conger, um, and I'll give him like a like a somewhere between a three and a five, uh, somewhere somewhere in there. Um, <laughs> there is a number between those two numbers. But, but for negative reasons, I, I I thought he'd be a lot better than this. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that he and Ionetto would be. Uh, Similar players, and in fact, they have averaged out to the player I expected them both to be. But uh, so I guess you could say that Conger's been as surprising as Ionetta has been, but it doesn't quite feel that way. Uh, but I'd take Conger as surprising. All right, um, Cowgill. I, if you want, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's just never never hit really. Uh, in the past, he's never really played. I mean, he's he's never played this much in part because he hasn't hit before, and not that this is necessarily any sort of lasting thing. But but he's he's going to double his career high in in plate appearances probably, or or come close to it. And and he's hit pretty well, <laughs> so that qualifies as as a surprise on a team that is not very surprising as we're. As we're pointing out here, so yeah, maybe but, uh, maybe uh, yeah. uh, um, a fourth outfielder plays like a pretty good fourth outfielder. Is, yeah, is Galgo. Right, it's it's not all that exciting. So uh, three. And I cannot. I, there is not one other performance among a regular <laughs> that surprises me in in the least. So I will go with Grant Green, uh-huh. who has who has hit some in eighty four plate appearances, and that, that's <laughs> okay. as mu- that's as much as I can get out of this group. Um, so, uh, so now Ben, let me ask you something else. Mm-hmm. Who, do, who do you think, who would you think, and I know this is a very difficult question to answer, uh, to, to expect you to do the math of 400 players, but who would, who do you think is the least surprising team this year? And what I mean by that is not that Pakoda expected them to win 82 games and they won 82 games because maybe one guy was Ionetta and one guy was Conger and they averaged out to what Pakoda expected. I mean, across the board... Uh, among their hitters, had the least surprises. That the, the the average player was the closest to Pakoda's projection for the average player. Hmm. The Yankees. The Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's a good. Sure. Have you actually done this match? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> sort of. I mean, it's I, I took it's it's not easy to to do it. So I spent like it like an hour and a half. Uh, putting something together. Um, so what I did is I took every player who has 100 plate appearances with a team this year, um, and then I uh, compared their true average to the Pakoda vision of their true average. Because I just wanted to see how normal, how, what a normal amount of variance is, and whether the Angels are... Um, 
as predictable as I think, or whether this is just sort of normal that Pagoda is pretty good at nailing projections, and Pagoda is pretty good at nailing projections. So, um, so I didn't know how to put the Angels in in context. So, uh, so again, pl- whether they have outperformed or underperformed does not matter. Uh, I'm looking at absolute values only. And so the just I no just, longer like my guess, but I don't have I don't like any I don't like any guess right now. Um, uh, you no longer like your your guess, the Yankees. Mm-hmm. How come? What changed when I just described what I did? Uh, I just had more time to think about Brian McCann. Uh huh. <laughs> well, let me tell you. So let me let me see. So McCann has a two eighty two true average. He was projected to have like a like a 311 true average. So at at 0.39, uh, yes, he has uh, he for instance on the Angels only Raul Abanez, who's barely played, has more of a differential than McCann has. So yeah, so McCann does skew things. Mm-hmm. So do you have another? Do you have a new team that you want to say? Brian McCann's at 282. No. You said uh, sorry, the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> the opposite. I added. Yeah, so he was supposed to be 282. He was. Mm-hmm. He is actually at 243. So sorry, yeah. okay. 39 points, but in the other direction. Yeah. I pivoted um, on the wrong foot, Ben. Um, the travel. Huh. I don't know if I have a better guess. This is hard to guess. The Royals. That's a good guess. That's actually a very good I know guess. Pakoda wasn't a big fan of the Royals offensively, and and they haven't been particularly good offensively so that's a good guess i the, there's no reason you should be able to guess this guessing is just distracting from our conversation <laughs> um so i'll just tell you some things uh okay. it's actually the the blue jays are the hmm. the most predictable team um and on average the 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 sort of the median differential between a pakoda projection and real life at this point for all players who have 100 plate appearances or more is like about 20 points of true average so if you're 275 uh then they'll you're between 255 and 295 on average Mm -hmm. um and so the uh average kansas city royal has only missed his projection by 14 points of true average Mm -hmm. um so that's sorry no that's that's not right the the average toronto blue jay is 14 Mm -hmm. points and then the Nationals are next, and then this is not interesting. You don't have to keep this in mind, but the Nationals are next, and then the Marlins, and then the Royals, and then the Dodgers, and then the A's, and then the Phillies, uh, and then the Angels. Oh, actually, then maybe the Yankees, and then maybe the Angels. Uh, but the Angels are up there. So um, here, though, is what I do find interesting about this. Generally speaking... Um, Generally speaking, the teams with the most predictable performances uh, have done very well. Um, there is a strong correlation. It's about 0. 0.6, mm. uh, strong negative correlation, between uh, missed projection and winning percentage. And mm-hmm. so if you look at this, the ones I named included a few teams that aren't doing that good at the top. But for the most part, the teams at the bottom of this are all terrible. It's the Red Sox, uh, it's the Diamondbacks, it's the Rockies, uh, it's the Twins, it's the Padres, um, it's the Rangers, um, and the teams at the top generally are the teams that are that are competing. I think the only team that's going to make the playoffs that's really low by this is the Mariners, and they might not even make the playoffs. Um, 
maybe the Braves, but they're not probably going to make the playoffs either. Maybe they will. Um, the Cubs are very low. So um, this makes perfect sense, I suspect, but I don't know why. So, <laughs> so tell me, Ben, why don't why does this matter? It seems to me that a team that is winning is in the playoffs that has a 6-10 winning percentage like the Angels do or a 5-70 winning percentage like the Nationals do um, would have benefited from a lot of players outperforming their projections. Um, mm-hmm. Like uh, Ben Sherrington talked about at the Sabres Seminar, right? They want to mm-hmm. have their guys outperforming their projections. That's how you, that's how you win. Um, and yet, uh, that's not the case. The, the teams that are doing well, they nailed their projections. The players more or less nail their projections. So why? Explain to me why this makes sense. I can't quite figure out why it makes sense. Well, it could just be one year, right? Oh, Ben. It's like <laughs> an hour and a half to do this. You to do this for another year? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but that's that's possible, right? Yeah, it is. It's very possible. Otherwise, so it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that these guys have actually played right you're just looking at true average you're just looking at their rate stats and if they didn't play 100 if they didn't get 100 plate appearances you're not counting them so it it doesn't affect anything if someone gets hurt and they have a replacement player instead that's correct we're not looking we're not looking at position we're only looking at the players themselves right and it's not the case that every team goes into the year projected to be good obviously and it's just the the ones that get hurt or whatever that don't end up good (laughs) there are a lot of teams that are projected not to be good so it's not that so right like the astros for instance the astros were projected to be bad have been bad and yet they have a huge differential player by player in what they've actually gotten out of their players they're one of the the biggest differentials uh it's not like anybody looks at the astros this year and goes boy what a shocking outcome this year has been for them no it's (laughs) it's not it's been not record wise at least yeah not record wise so could it be that one one element of being a good team is having predictable players in that uh Maybe if you're a maybe if you're a younger team, you're more likely to have guys who their their stats are not or their projection is not based on a long track record, and so it can vary a lot. It might not be as reliable, perhaps, and you might not be as likely to be a good team because you're built that way, or something like that. I'm kind of grasping at straws here, but just the the predictability of a player could could be a factor that would help a team be good because could could be. I mean, maybe um, it could be. It could be that you start with a plan, and yeah. the more your players allow you to to um, have that plan play out, mm-hmm. uh, the better off you are. I mean, these guys, these parts, all it's not a huge deal in baseball the way it is in some other sports, but you know, these guys are all, they all have their different roles on the team, on defense, in the lineup, and so on. And um, they're not explicit, or they're not, you know, necessarily explicitly replaceable with another guy 
who's like them because that other guy will have sort of different skills. And uh, so maybe just the idea that you start with this perfect idea of what your team is going to be like. And the more you're able to hew to that, the more the pieces work together, right? Like they're, mm -hmm. they're cogs that fit. And the more you are forced to change your cogs out, maybe you lose a little bit of efficiency each one. There's a little bit of extra friction. There's a little bit of extra, um, you know, wasted motion, you know, all that sort of thing. So maybe that's it. There's also, I should, I should also say, it, it's, it's possible that this is just um, a methodology thing uh, because if you think about it, uh, say your... Uh, say you know, say your team has a guy who outperforms his Pocota projection by 50 points of true average through June, and my team has a guy that underperforms his true average by 50 points through June. Well, my guy is going to get replaced, and his in in the spreadsheet that I've created, his numbers are going to be set in amber, and he is going to drag down my average. Whereas your guy is going to keep playing and probably regress somewhat so by the end of august he's now probably at like 28 points better than projection or something like that whereas my guy's going to be 50 until the end of the year because i kicked him off the island mm -hmm. right so that that's a possibility too you might think that that it's conceivable that that is all that this is mm -hmm. i don't know but uh, but yeah so <laughs> the the angels point at least is is well taken that that they are, you've been, uh, I mean, you've been predicting the, the Angels juggernaut for a few years now, right? And it's it's their fault that they haven't followed through on it until now. You were yeah. right. They, were, <laughs> they weren't holding up their end of the bargain. Uh, clearly, they, it, was in their, it was in their power all along. They've, mm -hmm. they've definitely demonstrated that. I'm going to look at the pitching next. I haven't done that yet, but I'm going to look at the pitching next. Um, so, uh, I don't know if you saw, I tweeted this, so I don't know if you saw this, but do you have, you didn't? Nope. Good. Do you have any idea who the, uh, who the players are who have most missed their projections this year are this year? Uh, <clears throat> uh, maybe the, some of the players we talked about on our podcast when we talked about the best signings. I don't think so. No. Uh, I don't think so, actually. Um, Steven Pierce, by the way, is not, by true average, is not on there. He is very high. He's like top 30 or something like that. But Casimir? Uh, hitters only, Ben. Oh. Hit hitters only. I'll mm. just tell you, because I, I've, I've been in this situation with you <laughs> before, and I know that... <laughs> Doesn't end well. <laughs> uh, on the positive side, uh, uh, AJ Pollock, Devin Messerocco, and Josh mm. Harrison... Mm -hmm. And on the negative side, Ryan Rayburn, Will Middlebrooks, and Dan Ugla. Mm. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. is uh, one of the negatives. Uh, Stephen Drew is one of the negatives. Hey, those guys are all on the same team, Bradley, Drew, and Middlebrooks. Yeah, that. hard year. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Carp, also on that team, mm -hmm. is on there. Uh, Jose Abreu. And the good side is on there. Anthony Rizzo is on there. Michael Brantley is on there. Mm -hmm. J.D. Martinez is on there. That's a name we mentioned. Yeah, we talked about Brantley, too. Oh, yeah, we did. Uh, all right. So, anyway, uh, I guess I want to keep thinking about this. Yeah. <laughs> I'll think about it with you. Yeah. Are you writing about this, too? 
I don't know when I will have time, to be honest. Mm. You put a lot of work into it. <laughs> for the listeners, though, yeah. not for the readers. Right. The readers, the readers haven't earned anything yet. The readers should be listeners by this point. The listeners should be readers. By well, this yes, <laughs> we've made that case before. Yes. All right. Uh, so we need emails for tomorrow's listener email show. So please send us some at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. We don't really though. We're well, pretty good. Maybe not. I haven't looked as closely this weekend, but we can always use more. And please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference, by going to baseballreference.com, subscribing to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the $30 discounted price on a one-year subscription. And we'll be back tomorrow. Did you listen to the theme song? What theme song? The Effectively Wild theme song. No, I don't know what that's a reference to. In the Facebook group, Effectively Wild Theme Remix, version one by Ken Maeda. Gosh, this is even better. <laughs> oh my goodness, this one's painful. <laughs> this is nightmarish. This is like this is like blurry man who's holding you captive in the basement in, in your peripheral vision kind of song. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat>